0: on this edition of the Iowa Business Report.
1: People are going to have been starting these processes and so everyone can learn from everyone else about what's working. And so this was important when we first started planning it and we think it's even more so now.
0: A series of monthly seminars is designed to provide networking and help for women business owners in Iowa. Another CARES Act could be in the works, according to one of Iowa's U.S. Senators, and will meet a restaurant owner who used the recent shutdown to remodel and to take his food to customers. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of June, 2020.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at IowaABI.org. Here is Jeff Stein.
0: The National Association of Women Business Owners, or NABO, has an Iowa chapter which is spearheading a new program designed for women who have owned their respective businesses for at least three years. Donna Miller is an attorney and owner with the Miller, Zimmerman & Evans Law Firm in Des Moines. Tamara Kenworthy is owner of On Point Strategies, a strategic planning, marketing planning, and market research firm, also in Des Moines. Both are members of the board of NABO, Iowa, and serve as co-chairs for the group's Business Institute. Tamara Kenworthy explains.
3: NABO, Iowa, is actually affiliated with a national organization, NABO International. Here in Iowa, we are headquartered in Des Moines, We're women-owned businesses who want to collaborate, network, and be educated about all things relative to business so that we can be empowered to grow our business.
0: We have done interviews for this program with various organizations that promote women in business, women in industry, and I always ask an ignorant question, it's 2020, Why do we even need such organizations? But very clearly, there is still a need in order to get to a level of equity in the marketplace.
1: That's right. Nationally, about 40% of businesses are owned by women. In Iowa, we don't have great recent numbers. The most recent numbers we have are from 2012. And at that time, there were just over 82,000 female-owned businesses in Iowa, there what had been a 30% increase from the prior 10 years. So it's it's definitely looking up. But certainly we know that a lot of these women-owned businesses are smaller um, and do need help. And certainly we've seen that with the result of the pandemic and the impact on businesses. So our goals are to promote women businesses, to strengthen them, To make sure that they have a voice and we still think that there's a need there and we have 130 members in iowa so we think that we're serving that need
0: what donna are some of the challenges that a woman-owned business might face that people may not think of unless you're actually in the situation
1: a lot of people don't understand that there is still some difficulty in getting funding and capital that's different from perhaps a male-owned business. A lot of the women-owned businesses are sole proprietors. They have uh, some difficulty. Maybe they don't have the same banking relationships that, that um, larger organizations have. So those are the kinds of things that, that we talk about and try to, to help people navigate. And we, we do that a lot with partnerships with uh, several banks in the area. Uh, who are supportive
0: of the organization. Tamara, in keeping with the idea of providing assistance, providing some sort of support, you have a new business institute that you're rolling out this summer. Talk about the need for that and what exactly is going to take place.
3: We're so excited about the new business institute. We, uh, you know, studies show that there's what's called the missing middle. And what that means is, is there's a lot of movement a lot of resources and programming that are supporting startups. And then when you get to a certain higher level of, of revenue, there's uh, easier to get funding, as Donna mentioned, and, and other um, resources. And what we're seeing, and this is nationally, but definitely here in Iowa, that there's there's not the level of resources or programming those businesses who either are smaller with the number of employees they have or under a million dollars in revenue or even less. And our members are telling us that they're hungry for that network to be able to bond together. As a marketer, it's a lot. We talk about tribes. I think women business owners, were a tribe and we want to bond together. And so our board really had the vision that we needed to, to be uh, proactive in providing a program for these business owners that fall in the missing middle. It can be an educational program, it's a networking program, but it's all about engagement together and being able to learn from each other. So we've actually kind of taken some leadership techniques and facilitation techniques, as well as kind of the masterminds mentality and and methodology and bringing it all in together into a customized program that we're creating. So women can have a safe, an open environment where they can talk about issues confidentially together.
0: There's ample information about this, Donna, on the website, but remind us how long a period of time this is going to span and how one can learn more and also get information about registration.
1: We will meet once a month for seven months. We're gonna start in July and that'll run through January. NavoIowa.org is one place where you can get that information. Of course, our Facebook page has has the information. That also has contact information for Tamara and I, if anyone has any particular questions.
0: What kind of programming is going to be presented? Do you have a different topic every month? Are there individuals who are going to be facilitating on certain different issues? How is it going to play out?
1: Exactly right. We are going to have different topics every month. We uh, have two facilitators, and our hope is to have to fill two cohorts. So what the plan is, is to have um, experts in the field talk about these topics, whether it's marketing, growth of your business, planning. And then what we're going to do, it, it's somewhat unique, is we're going to have business roundtables where... We can benefit from the experts and the facilitator, but also learn from one another and and foster that group atmosphere where we're helping each other with issues and our planning and growth.
0: So, Tamara, measuring success with such things is very difficult. I personally think that having networking opportunities, conferences, seminars, that kind of professional development is very important, but sometimes it's hard to quantify it. It's hard when I'm a facilitator to know where success is. So when you're done in January with this first seven-month institute,
3: how do you measure success? That's a great question. In fact, our committee, our team, Don and I with our facilitators, are actually working on all of that right now for metrics. And we've really broken it into two ways that we're going to measure the program. One is about the business, each participant's business and the growth that they experience. And we're working through what very specific metrics we'll have. Our tagline for our program is empowering business growth. And each individual is gonna be able to customize their plan. There's gonna be a foundational template of metrics. It might be increased revenues. It might be um, decreased expenses. It might be how many employees you wanna grow to. Things that um, are long-term and short-term.
1: As Tamara said,
3: we have been planning this for a while, but what we realize is that there's
1: a real need now because a lot of businesses may be rethinking how they're doing business. And this is an excellent program to allow them to take a fresh look at their business, to learn from others about, you know, we're going to be far enough into post-COVID, hopefully, that people are going to have been starting these processes. And so everyone can learn from everyone else about what's working. And so this was important when we first started planning it and we think it's even more so
3: now. We want to develop partners uh, in collaboration with this program. So if there are organizations or businesses who really have a passion for supporting women-owned businesses, we're, we're looking for those organizations to partner with us and they would get exposure to uh, an array of business owners. So that's that's another opportunity that's out there as we grow this program.
0: Tamara Kenworthy of On Point Strategies and Attorney Donna Miller of Miller-Zimmerman Evans Law Firm. They serve as co-chairs for the NABO Iowa Business Institute. There's much more to this conversation, and you can hear it as an IBR Extra podcast. More information about the group is available online at naboiowa.org. That's NAWBOIowa.org. That's N A W B O I O W A.org. And again, the registration deadline is June 30th. Still to come, the chance of another CARES Act coming from D.C., and one restaurant story of making it alone before and after COVID 19. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
4: Iowa's manufacturers have shown pride and commitment during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Mike Ralston of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Whether retooling their plants to make face shields, masks, and other needed supplies, or providing pay and benefits for workers during a slow economic time, these businesses are the foundation of our recovery. Learn more at iowaabi.org.
2: The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.
0: The money coming from Washington in response to the spring economic shutdown due to COVID-19 is measured not by millions, not by billions, but by trillions of dollars. And according to U.S. Senator Charles Grassley, more may well be on the way
4: I don't know the amount of money I do believe we're going to have a cares act too I don't think it's going to come until the middle of July I believe it'll be done before we take our summer break in August uh, and I think the size is kinda of dependent upon two things one how fast is the economy going to turn around and secondly the extent to which we already have not spent all the money that's in the CARES Act 1, like, for instance, tens of billions of dollars yet to go out for health care, particularly for hospitals and Medicare and Medicaid, things of that nature. I think we need to get that out and see how that's being spent. And then $150 billion that's out, to the states like Iowa getting one and two tenths billion of the 150 billion that went to to the states, what are the states doing with the money? Because there's no sense of borrowing more money until we know how this money is being used and the extent to which the need's not being met, and then the extent to which the economy's turning around. Uh, In other words, let me be very clear. The extent to which the economy's turning around fast as opposed to slow I think uh, uh, makes smaller the amount of money that goes into the CARES Act too.
0: One of the things we always half-jokingly say about government is that there's so much paperwork it makes it difficult, especially for a small operation, to do business. That's been a bit of a problem with CARES Act I and the PPP, hasn't it?
4: Yes, but the president signed a bill taking care of two or three things, that we found almost from day one that was going to be a problem. One, that you had to have the people on your payroll by June the 4th, the same people you would have otherwise laid off because we wanted to prevent layoffs. That was too short of a period of time, so we extended it for another 24 weeks. And then the rule that you had to spend at least 75% of your forgivable loan on salaries, and a lot of people have low salary expenses for their small business, more other things like rent and utilities and a whole bunch of other stuff. So we reduced the 75% down to 60 Now, that's at least two things that were a problem. And the bill may have gone uh, with lesser things that need to be changed, but uh, not things that we had heard as much about as with the percentage and with the length of time to hire people back.
0: I spoke with U.S. Senator Charles Grassley by phone this past Monday afternoon. Coming up, one restaurant took the phrase takeout quite differently this spring. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org.
0: In this week's Business Profile, we meet Matt Lamos, owner of the East Bremer Diner Restaurant in downtown Waverly in northeast Iowa. The restaurant was founded by Don and Sue Landau in 2001. Don Landau owned a number of restaurants in the area over time, including two others with the diner format in Waterloo, as well as Brown Bottle Restaurants in the Cedar Valley. Matt Lamos is a native of the area and worked at the East Bremer Diner while in college. After spending some time working in the hospitality industry in Las Vegas, he returned to Iowa to start a family and became manager of the Waverly Restaurant. When it was time for the Landau's to retire... Lamos became the owner.
5: Running a business, a small business like the one we have, it has to be a lifestyle. The one thing I tell everyone is the whole work-life balance. When you own a, own a restaurant like we do, the idea of a work-life balance being a nine to five and then your weekends, so that's just not how it works. Maybe my time with my family is on Tuesday and on Thursday, and that's my weekend. And you just have to know that going into it. And for me, I am a huge fan of inconsistency. Now, I want consistency with my food and everything else. But with my schedule, I thrive off some inconsistency. And if I get into a pattern, that's not my, that's not my forte. And the other thing about our industry is that there's so few industries where you have so many people you come in contact with from such a diverse range than you do in an industry like ours. Obviously, you go into a city like Vegas, and it's even more diverse. But for Waverly, where we wanted to raise our family, the industry really plays well into what I enjoy doing, and that's continually having to figure things out. That's the other thing about the restaurant business. I mean, there's got to be something almost a little wrong with you to want that. And we joke about that all the time, my managers and I, because regardless of what you have set up to run the business and precautions you put in place. It is going to go to snot on a Friday night at 630 when the basketball game let out and you had three teams show up and you didn't know there was a game. You know, it's just, you just kind of know. And then you always have backup plans. And the coolest part about it is watching a group of people who may have never known each other otherwise figure out how to make this thing work. And that group of people being our staff, you know, once you get the right leaders in place, the rest of the staff just sees that. One of the biggest things we've done at the diner, and this is my favorite part about owning it, is we have a goal wall in the hallway. So everyone that works for us is required to have some sort of goal. It could be a diner goal, a personal goal, whatever. And they're supposed to write it down. The reason being, you're four times more likely to actually do something instead of just saying it once you see it written down. And what I love to remind them is that Our community walks by that wall. Tens of thousands of people a year walk by that wall. They see it. They read it. They might not know whose goals are whose, but their goal has been read by somebody. And it's neat to see that process inside of them. It's a lot different than writing it down on a sheet of paper. So there's been some neat things we've accomplished.
0: During the shutdown, Lemos took the opportunity to do a bit of remodeling, including replacing the facade that had been on the front of the building since it was a hardware store generations ago. A new logo, a new menu, and a new way of reaching customers who could not come to the restaurant for dinner.
5: We knew that we were going to lose a lot of the small town business that we had. We actually sat down with the managers and we said to them, we go, here's the thing, everything we're about to do is off book. We're gonna make a lot of mistakes along the way. So there are some ideas that we'll probably never talk about because they were just that bad. We started doing um delivery service in large quantities. So what I mean by that is you know Shell Rock and Janesville both have delivery service to them from the diner right now, but it's a $40 minimum, but we'll go to the individual house. Then we deliver in Waverly. Well, especially with COVID-19, the staffing didn't allow us to just open up delivery to Denver or to Tipola to uh, or to Readland. Instead, what we did is we we told those towns, hey, we're gonna take orders from you between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. And we're gonna do a large drop at five o'clock. So in Denver we met, you know, 10 to 15 people in the Denver high school parking lot. And then we handed out food to them. We just had everything separately bagged. We had their tickets ready to go. We had three of us out there doing a different piece of it. And you know, 10 minutes later we were driving back to Waverly. So at the end of the day, from a revenue standpoint, it looked good. From the end of the day at profitability, you know, we, we had to invest so much between taking two cars and three people. And the profitability was not a super smart business decision. But what I will tell you is a smart business decision is that our staff understands the culture of the business we want to run, which is we're, we're here to supply something and we're going to figure out how to do that. We're not going to lose money in the process because that's not smart either. But if we can go and we can make an impact on a town like Tripola, who's still calling us, who we're going to keep doing this with, then that's awesome. Then that's a whole new facet and a whole new way for us to think as a business. So in this whole COVID-19 thing, we actually promoted someone who kind of grabbed all this stuff and just was like, well, I kind of, I want to run that. We created a position for her because we didn't have this position before, but she's our bar and off-premise coordinator. So her responsibility now is to market to the businesses around town on how do we serve food for 12 to 15 people in a small catering event? What towns are we going to go to? We had our number, run the numbers on how many times we should do this. What do you think the fallout will be? And it's just fun to see another person on our staff get this new task. I really wish we didn't have to go through COVID to figure this stuff out. But sometimes you only do things when you're forced to because we just never would have had to think like that. We actually, instead of it being something that broke us and that made us quit it and just got us tired, we got we to have fun with it. We got to have some fun, so. But don't tell that to everyone because not everyone got to have fun.
0: Matt Lamos owns the East Bremer Diner in Waverly. More at eastbremerdiner.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. Next week, we'll look back at the Iowa legislative session and see what progress was made for employees and employers alike. That and more next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR extras. You'll find us on all the major podcast distributors as well, including Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, Apple, and Google. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at IowaABI.org.